The Start On Demand. On demand. January in Manitoba is not the time that you want your furnace to break down. Of course, you never want it to break down, but could you think of a worse time for it to happen? Well, imagine it happening and then being told they have no idea how long it's going to take to get fixed because they can't get the part because of the supply chain. We check in with Mr. Furnace to find out what's happening in their world on that. And as far as the supply chain goes, we also spoke to Lux Furniture and Lux Barbecue about the lengths they went to to ensure that they have stock and product to sell this season. And we had lots of fun today talking about the new and fancy things that are meant to make your life easier, but they don't. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, January 20th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And as I sit here, um, you know, I really should bring like a fidget spinner or something to work because I'm always fidgeting. And right now I'm fidgeting with my mask. And um, Loren, I would, I gotta, I gotta say, I long for the day where I won't have to worry about wearing one of these. I know they're important to putting an end to this pandemic, but uh, when I see what's happening in the UK, I admit I'm a little envious. Yeah, well, you know, in this weather, I don't mind the mask because it's just a matted layer for the warmth, and I mean that, but I'm tired of looking for them, scrounging for them. Like we, We've been having them hanging from our ceiling light in the kitchen for almost two years now because it's just where we, when I wash them, that's where I hang them to dry and I can see them, so I know, oh yes, don't forget the masks, but the number of times I still do, like just for the remembering factor i'm i'm uh, you know ready to say sayonara to them but in the uk face masks will no longer be mandatory in public places and schools covid-19 passports are going to be dropped for large events and there are other restrictions that are being lifted because british prime minister boris johnson says experts there their team of scientists think that the highly contagious Omicron variant maybe has peaked. So they still have issues in their northern hospitals. The hospitalizations are still really high there in the northern part of England. But they say in other parts that they're stabilizing or falling. That's according to Boris Johnson. So all sorts of things are changing over there. And it just has us asking the question, and we're going to get into this at 637. Are we anywhere near there? Are we going to see this pandemic, you know, end? And I put that in quotations anytime soon. And Man, how would you feel if suddenly you had all these things gone, Greg, in, in just a flip of a switch like that? No no longer need to work from home. COVID-19 passes not required to large-scale events and no masks in public spaces. Are you ready for that? If that oh, should I'm re- come? Oh, I'm ready for it. Uh, experienced it in California in November. In Palm Springs, we flew into Palm Springs and at the airport and in restaurants in Palm Springs, masks and, and, and vaccine passports or proof of vaccination were very much a part of the landscape. Uh, but then, you know, a four-hour drive later and we're in San Diego County and no such thing. There were very few masks being worn anywhere. It was a little bizarre. It was, hey, I'm with you, Brett. I know they're important. This has been a part of our strategy to limit the spread of COVID-19. But just because I'm willing to do it doesn't mean that I'm not looking forward to not having to do it. And uh, so yeah, I'm a little jealous of what's going on in Great Britain. 
But I, I got to tell you, Loren, I'm glad that you qualified all those statements with experts, not just Boris Johnson says, because I'm not sure how comfortable anyone in Great Britain or around the world would be in. Well, because Boris Johnson said so. This is the way we're going. Uh, his credibility is certainly uh, not exactly where it ought to be right now. So the fact that there are experts backing up and uh, driving uh, these these policy changes are, are probably a good thing, Brett. Indeed. So we'll have more on this coming up at 637. And we're also going to hear from Global's Marnie Blunt, who is asking the question, when will the pandemic end? So that's at 637. Also today, we are going to discuss further issues with the supply chain because I was talking to a buddy yesterday and he has been affected by the supply chain. But, uh, you know, it's a this one's pretty concerning, Greg, because it involves... His furnace, his furnace is broken and he can't, they can't get the part because of the supply chain. This has to be like what, a 20, 25, 15 year old furnace at at the, at the very most? Five, five years, five years. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so this is the answer. This is unfortunately the answer he's getting as opposed to waiting for a part that might be hundreds of dollars, he's now going to have to spend thousands of dollars on replacing his five-year-old furnace. Potentially. He's, that's still in a holding pattern. Not sure if he's going to have to replace it or not. But right now, um, it's sort of a, who knows how long it's going to take. So at 7.05, wow. we're going to speak to Mr. Furnace about this to find out what's happening in their world because he, my, my buddy said he's not alone. He knows a couple of other people who have broken furnaces and they can't get them fixed so that's a, an issue and then at 905 we're going to uh, visit with our friends from lux furniture because they're having some supply issues themselves yeah lux furniture lux barbecue uh, our friend phil square he's gone to some extraordinary lengths to make sure that he's got stuff to sell you uh not only now but into the spring so we'll get into that conversation and the whole supply chain issues including in our next segment what are food processors prepared to do and having to do in order to make sure that they can at least provide most stuff? It, it, it's, it's conversations we'd never imagine that we'd have to have. This is a question on all of our minds, I think, amid each wave of COVID-19. When will it end? Yeah, and in waves past, we've often looked to other jurisdictions to sort of tell us what they're going through. How is Ontario doing? Quebec, uh, even the UK, we were talking at the top of the clock about the fact that UK is lifting some of its restrictions like no masks in public places. Masks will no longer be required in schools and public places in the UK. And they're talking about watching the different transmission rates there and then that's playing a role into their decisions that they feel like Omicron might be peaking. But as global Marnie Blunt explains the answer to the question here in Manitoba is more difficult to predict in this wave than in previous ones. It may seem like this current wave of COVID-19 is dragging on, but has it even reached its peak? Public health officials say it's difficult to tell, but we could be getting near. Looking at other jurisdictions and when that started there and here, uh, it would be reasonable to expect that peak uh, in in the near future uh, if we uh, maintain the same 
uh, trajectory as other other regions. But right now, I can't uh, point to any specifics in our in our data that suggests that we uh, we have reached that. That's because there aren't many specifics in our current data, as changes to contact tracing and testing procedures have significantly skewed daily case counts and test positivity rates, making it difficult to predict just where a current wave is at and where it's headed. And while hospitalizations are an important indicator, they're also a lagging one, with hospitalizations peaking weeks after community transmission. But public health officials say they still have some useful indicators. Uh, we can look at absenteeism rates uh, in the healthcare system, in education, and other and other settings to help uh, guide some of this as well. So, so we're certainly not blind uh, with what's uh, what's going on. It just our approach has to change. Officials also say contact tracing changes make it difficult to trace the main transmission sources during this recent wave, and just how quickly Omicron spreads also plays a factor in that. Marty Blunt, Global News. So, Loren, you mentioned that transmission rate and and the different things that might be playing a factor in the decisions being made in the UK in particular, as you mentioned the fact that the mask mandates are on the way out in the UK. If you don't have solid data, though, in terms of where you're at and where you're going, that makes things much more difficult. So for, you know, for those of us that have been kind of like, well, you know, we just got to kind of play this out and most of us are going to get this. Yeah, that's all well and good to have a certain philosophy on that and and maybe even resign ourselves to the the fact that that's the way things are going to go down. But for government officials, for public health officials, for those working in hospitals, they need to have a really good idea of what's coming. And based on what you're hearing from Dr. Rusin, mm, they have some tools at their disposal, but because of the prevalence and, and how quickly the Omicron variant spreads, it, it feels as though they are flying, flying a little bit blind on this one at this point in time, Loren. And I think another part of that too is that because we don't have the testing numbers, we don't know how many people have it and the kids that really haven't been back in school yet, that was going to be part of it too, get the kids in school, sure. let's see how that goes. We've had a whole week really now, an extra week of no school besides that first day. So, you know, there's lots of things to consider still. I, I do think that, you know, when you looked at a jurisdictions like the UK, what kind of data do they have? They're relying a lot on their hospitalization numbers as well. And they seem to think that that's dropping in at least the southern parts of England. And so therefore they're, you know, changing some of their restrictions. It's hard not to get excited when you see what others are doing. And you just kind of hope, I think, Brett, that we're, we're getting there hopefully sooner than later. If you want to read more on the UK situation, you can do so at cjob.com. Uh, we've linked that story to our Instagram as well. Uh, GMAC, sounded like you wanted to jump in there again? No, just, you know, the word hope comes up so often and that, and that is frustrating for someone like me. Like I like empirical evidence. Like I I want the statistics. I want to see where it's going. And it just feels like that formula is almost impossible to create right now. I would just like it to end so I could actually look at the both of you in person. <laughs> uh, Deborah just shared, shared a tweet that came from someone. I'm going to have to look where this came from, but it said, remember back in season one of COVID when we thought maybe we'd be in this just for five seasons, like Breaking Bad. And now it's like, surprise, this is Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Which has gone on for like 18 seasons, I think, or 17, like too long. <laughs> oh, well done, Deborah. Well done. We're going to discuss the things that are supposed to make our lives easier, but we don't maybe like them. Here's an example. 
talking to a friend yesterday who has a snowblower. He and his neighbor like to help each other out with snow clearance. Friend often clears the snow behind of their garages with a snowblower. Neighbor will shovel the front walks. So neighbor asks if he can learn to use a snowblower. Friend tells neighbor, sure, but heads up, it's a pain to learn how to use it. I found it frustrating to learn. So friend tells neighbor how to use it, tries it out, and 10 minutes later, he shuts it down and says, screw this, I'm just going to go shuffle. So do you have an example of something like this? Like maybe you don't like the touchscreen in your car, like GMAC uh, Jerome actually weighed in with that very thing on the touchscreen. Yeah. It says, the last thing I want is a new car with all the lane keeping, parking assist features. My wife and I are both capable drivers, and we don't want to have to pay the ridiculous price for these features or have to repair them when they start to malfunction. Please bring back simple vehicles with regular switches and roll up yourself windows. No touch screens, please. That's from Jerome. So let's go around the horn here, starting with Cameron Poitras. Uh, Like sort of these digital photo albums that uh, that people have and they want to show you, oh, check out these photos and everybody kind of gathers around a screen and you kind of lose that thing. Uh, we were just, um, my wife and I were getting our, our sort of wedding album together and we went and got the pictures printed uh, and it's so much better. I've looked at it like 20 times. I just love it and it just captures just, you, you, you can't get that. Um, looking at a computer screen and, and looking at pixels and stuff like that. And it, it's so different to be able to just have the photo album and flip through the pages and look at all the photos like that. It's just, it's a completely different world. So I'm, I'm, I'm for photo albums and keeping those around. Good for you, man. It's, and it's just nice to have that, that kind of tactile yeah. thing. The same with totally. books. Like I have no interest in getting an e-reader, um, but I, don't read enough books to justify having one anyway. I know I'm Loren, with you on that. I know, Loren, you've got the uh, the e-reader, but you read like seven books in a weekend sometimes, don't you? Yeah, that's. it's just more – it's nice because of travel. Like so if you're hitting the road, you don't have to bring six, six seven, eight books with you if you're you going know, to be on a plane. Like I could read two books on – three books maybe depending on how long the plane trip is. So that's why I like the Kindle stores more. That's great. I can't believe how fast you read. That's nuts to me. Uh, good for you, by the way. That's not a – I can't believe that. Um, Jeff Braun, what about you? Uh, for me, it's paying at the pumps, uh, using your debit card or your credit card or whatever to pay for gas has never once worked for me. I've tried different cards. I've tried different gas stations with different cars, just everything. And not once have I ever been able to make that work. And I'm not stupid. I can follow the instructions, and I do. But I just get the, these error messages or can't read your card and all this stuff. And I invariably have to go inside to pay anyway. So I, I don't even try anymore. I just go inside to pay. And, and the clerk's always like, uh, do you want a lottery ticket or smokes or something? I was like, nope. Do you want a receipt? Nope. And he gives me the looks like, well, why'd you come in here then kind of deal? But uh, the pumps won't let me pay. Fair enough. Yeah. Sometimes, because sometimes it'll say, oh, you you have to remove, please remove card quickly. If you don't do it quick enough, it doesn't read the strip or something. I don't know. Um, Forte. Cable boxes. Sometimes the cable box can be really slow. You hit the guy and it takes like five seconds to pop up. I know it's a first world problem. But also remotes for some reason like it's the exact same remote that's in my bedroom to my living room but i can't use the one in my bedroom in my living room because they're programmed for their specific box you know what i mean yeah i know and i don't know why that is it's like it's the same remote it's the same cable like 
If I lose my living room remote and I just want to watch some TV, just let me use my bedroom remote in the living room. And then yesterday I come home and I turn on my TV and I got no sound. The sound works for everything else except for my cable. So there's something wrong with my cable box. I don't have sound coming out right now. Oh, that's irritating. It is. It really is. Very inconvenient. <laughs> so I, I end up watching a little uh, Kenny versus Spenny, a great Canadian television <laughs> oh, program. My nice. favorite show. <laughs> ah, awesome. Kenny versus Spenny. What were you watching that on? I was watching that on uh, Apple TV. I have. Uh, I, I I bought all the uh, all the seasons. So. Oh, right on. Fortune and I quote that show to each other like off air uh every day constantly every day like every multiple lines it's yeah totally so you guys are nerds <laughs> that's oh, right totally 100 <laughs> percent. good for you guys that's a great show uh greg what about you i bought a new tv last summer and i uh, wanted to hook up stereo sound and and so you know you, you got to treat yourself a little bit and I went out and I bought the optical cable and I did all the things that I thought I was supposed to do and uh, plugged in the good old RCA plugs outside, uh, you know, in the back of the television, plugged them into this tuner amplifier that I bought and, and wired speakers and everything wouldn't work. Couldn't do anything. I tried everything. I went online, checked this, checked that, went back, talked to the sales guy. He goes, oh yeah, those RCA plugs in the back of your TV, they don't work. <laughs> just a part of the assembly. So I just crave the day uh, just, you know, that, that, that the things that are there would actually work and the, that, that, that you don't have to go to these uh, extra, uh, extra steps in order to do things the way they used to be. And so now I got to hook up the Bluetooth and the, and, and so I just hand it to the kids. I go, can you get this thing to work please? Cause I want to watch Ted Lasso on this TV in stereo I'll be back in five minutes. So I don't even know how it works. It just does now. <laughs> and Loren, what about you? I just, this is going to be like a shouting an old man, shouting at cloud from Simpsons, but I want to bring back people. Like I'm tired of automated hit one, then th hit three, then hit seven, then hit back to one and then wait for someone to come on as you wait for hold services. I just want to call the company and have a person answer the phone and say, look, this is my, this is my situation. How about you tell me, because you work at this company, which department do you think you should transfer me to i want to basically bring back the the receptionist or the executive assistant or whatever the role would have been to help people get to the right spot because i'm tired and i find that we're spending more time on the phone because we're at home and we maybe aren't going as many places and you just get stuck in that world of one three nine seven i'm done with it so i want to bring back some people just just a couple people There are a few words that we've heard more over the last couple of years, I think, than we have in our entire lives. Words like unprecedented, pivot, lately, supply chain. Imagine if the supply chain issues affect you at home with your furnace. Here's a story. I was talking to a friend yesterday. Tells me his furnace conked out in the last week of December. Repair guy comes to have a look, identifies the part that needs replacement, tinkers with it to make it functional enough to hold on for a bit longer. But last week, the, the whole thing just finally died. So they come back to look at it again. Can't do anything without the part. So they lend my friend three space heaters to use in the meantime. And the latest update, they just have no idea how long it's going to take to get the part they need because of the supply chain. The manufacturer can't make the part because they just can't get the components, Loren. 
so we wondered, is this a one-off story? Is this happening in other parts of, of Winnipeg, in homes that we don't know about? And so to get those answers, we decided to go to Mr. Furness. Tara Smith is the owner of Mr. Furness and joins us live. Hi, Tara. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So tell us what you're hearing from customers and from your suppliers. Is this an issue where parts are a problem right now? It, it, it absolutely is. We've been having parts issues for almost a year, but it became very intense this winter. And of course, it's always worse in the winter because in the summer you you'll live, you won't you know get into trouble. But in Winnipeg in the winter without heat, there's a lot of problems that it can cause for your home. Yeah. So, so talk about this, Tara, because uh, as we were discussing this earlier, this is with a furnace something that you hope you can fix within a handful of hours for your customers. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, our motto is we're going to get it fixed the same day within 24 hours for sure. Um, and like your friend, we do also offer heaters to people, but we don't like to use those because they don't they won't heat your whole home. They just keep you from freezing out. Um, but the problem is the manufacturers, they don't get the parts they need from overseas to build the motors, to build the inducers, the parts that we need to replace on these furnaces. And the other problem is the furnaces nowadays are way smarter than they used to be. So you can't just bypass things or jerry-rig them up the way you used to. So they have no heat until you get the parts. There's no other option. So what's the alternative then if the part isn't available? Like, do you just have to bite the bullet and get a new furnace? We've had a few situations where the furnace company could not get the part at all. And they actually came back and gave them an amazing deal on a new furnace because there was no other option. And that's too bad because these are furnaces that are nine, 10 years old that have good, you know, six, seven years of life left in them, but we're replacing them because we cannot fix them. Is it an option to take the parts from, instead of selling someone the new furnace, take the parts from that new furnace and then put it into the person's older furnace, if that makes sense, Tara? Um, Yeah, it makes sense what you're saying. Some of them we can, right? But some of these furnaces now are very, they're all very uh, unique and they all have these extra features that, that come with these fancier motors and they don't, they don't always cross over well. The other problem is we're not just having a supply issue with parts, we're having a supply issue with the whole furnace as well. Mm-hmm. So some of the furnaces, our favorite brands, the ones we like the best to put in, we can't get our hands on them. So even our stock of, of new furnaces is limited as well. So Tara, we were speaking earlier about food suppliers and how maybe they're they're concentrating on uh, different product lines and not uh, producing everything. They're they're sort of pivoting to use one of the words that Brett used off the top in terms of how they're going about business. What can you do to pivot to change what you're doing? Are you having to ration th- certain things and and decide you know if it makes sense to to go one way or the other? How are you approaching it? Uh, yeah, we've we've had to reach out to more suppliers and do what we can to get our hands on whatever product we can to take care of our customers. Um, we've definitely had to ration on certain things, uh, you know, make sure that we take care of our existing customers. I mean, everybody's important, but the customers that have been with us a long time. So sometimes it is a bit of a game. And I mean, this isn't as severe, but it's the same situation. You got to pick and choose where you can help, and that's never good. We want to be able to help everybody if we can. Well, so sorry, go ahead, Tara. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say. So we reached out to as many wholesalers as we can, and every day it's, it's like new game of 
where do you can we get the part or what part's going to be missing today and um and then it's compounded with employee issues getting enough guys who can still work with with everything going on you have guys off due to covid so that makes it even trickier well that's it. i'm glad you brought that up because uh, so many companies have had issues with staffing so how big of an impact has that been on your uh on your business well, it's difficult. Uh, number one, we want to keep our customers safe. So if any employee has any type of even remote contact, we need to keep them away from everybody else. So they can't be going into more customers' homes. But we do send them into home after home after home. So their risk factor is way higher than most people. Even if you work in a store, people come to you. We're actually going into their homes where they live. So we have to be very careful with our staff and any sign that there could be a problem, we have to isolate them immediately to keep them and everybody else safe. Well, Tara, we thank you very much for joining us this morning to discuss this because, uh, you know, the last thing I would want to see anybody deal with is a broken furnace in uh, January. So um, we appreciate this very much. Best advice I can give give is if your furnace is making any type of weird noise or you think it's acting different at all, call soon so that people have time, whoever you call, to get you the parts that you need if you do. And stay on top of changing your filter because a clean filter helps the furnace be more healthy. Great tips, Tara. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Great. You have a great day. Stay warm. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. In this segment, we often like to share your text messages at 204-780-6868. But I need to address the text messages I just received from Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb following the conversation we just had with Tara Smith from Mr. Furnace on supply chain issues affecting repairs for furnaces. And uh, Greg, (laughs) Greg, what did you do during the commercials? I turned off my furnace and I changed my furnace filter. (laughs) Tara scared the bejesus out of me. I have a fairly new furnace. In fact, I, I don't even know if it's five years old. I can't remember the date exactly when we changed it. Uh, so I've been very diligent with regard to changing uh, the filters. I can't remember exactly when I did it last, but uh, Tara, thank you for that reminder. So I'm sitting about seven feet from my furnace here. So it wasn't a, a long way to go. Well, she had a good advice that that will help extend the life of your furnace to make sure you're changing the filter off. And my question for you is, you just have extra furnace filters lying around or was this part of a Costco thing? Like you've got 97 rolls of toilet paper, 4,000 batteries and six extra furnace filters. What's what's the deal? Okay, so I do have the ba- the plastic battery storage thing filled with the C's, the D's, the A's, the triple A's and the, and the little battery tester. So yeah, guilty as charged. Yes, of course, I have multiple furnace filters at all times in the house buy them by the three pack or buy them by the six pack uh you know i should be changing that thing every three four months do we have extra furnace filters lying around (laughs) ignoring me i'm genuine i'm I'm gonna go check this out now i bet you do i'm I'm gonna bet you do (laughs) i don't think this is a thing It's time for the Small Town Salute, and this week we're heading to Steep Rock, just outside Steep Rock, in fact, to talk to a Manitoba man about the importance of being welcoming, specifically being welcoming to all cultures. Peter Hofbauer is his name. He contacted us on Instagram a few days ago to point out how happy he was to see a multi-language welcome sign, which featured Ojibwe, Cree, and English, because he himself 
put up his own welcome sign in Ojibwe at Steep Rock a couple of years ago, and he hopes to put up more and hopes others will follow suit. So as you mentioned, from just outside of Steep Rock, Brett, we say good morning to Peter, joins us live on 680 CJOB. How are you this morning, Peter? Hey, good morning. I'm fine. I just crawled out of bed and straight onto the radio. <laughs> That's the way we do it uh, five days a week, partner, so well done. Yeah. It Before has a advantage about... over TV because we don't have to comb our hair, I guess. <laughs> Peter, you fit right in with us, uh, so uh, welcome to the program. Thank so you. before we talk about these multilingual signs, and, and Steep Rock is, oh my gosh, we call it sort of a hidden treasure, but I think a lot of people know about it. It's a popular place, but for those that haven't been, would you uh, tell us where it is and maybe a little bit about how long you've lived in that part of Manitoba? Well, I grew up in this part of Manitoba, but uh, it's about 230 kilometers northwest of, of Winnipeg. You just follow Highway 6 up, and then you go west straight to Lake Manitoba. So it's on the east side of Lake Manitoba. It's a beautiful part of the province, and, and you're always looking to encourage people to check things out right or across Manitoba. And you've got a sign that you put up in 2019. Tell us about it. What does it say? And where well, it, is it? It says... Um, Basically, it says Anin, which means hello in Anishinaabemowin, or Ojibwe, which is uh, the local dialect or language from this area. So when I started my business in 2008, I always was promoting multiculturalism. I did this through music, signage on my business, learning languages, or, or just, just so I could connect with the people. But most of the local support came from the local Anishinaabe communities. Um, so... I thought it'd be nice to put a, a sign up in their language just to, to show people that, you know, it's a good way to welcome people. Now, this other sign that you have spotted, um, and I should, I'll, you know what, I'll share this post on our Instagram as well for those who want to see it. But uh, where did you, where is that sign and what's on that one? So that's uh, just north of here, about uh, maybe 25 minutes. That's in Penemutan community or Fairford indigenous community and that signs it's quite a bit bigger but it it has uh it greets you in cree ojibwe and english which you don't see often in rural manitoba i know from traveling when you go to other countries like in europe you might have signs with five or six languages on it which is is really important to to show people that there are people who care it, it shows that you respect people's culture as well so this sign in, in Fairford, it's quite nice, actually. They they did a good job. Yeah, respect. What a wonderful word. And maybe underappreciated, underpracticed, uh, Peter. You come from, as I understand it, a multicultural family. So tell us how this lends and leads into why this is so important to you to, to reach out and connect with, with well, other I, cultures. I grew up in... Uh, so I'm first-generation Canadian from my mother's side, so she came from the GDR, or the, the German Democratic Republic. And so when you're growing up in a family where you have someone who's an immigrant to Canada, you can see firsthand the struggles people have, difficulties, but you also see what they appreciate or what they find maybe strange or, or absurd and how people deal with these on a first-hand basis. So... In that way, I have an understanding of how people from other countries come here, and I can fully understand what they appreciate when they're visiting another area they've never been to. 
So the appreciation has certainly grown for Steep Rock, I think, over the years, Peter. I'm curious, lots of people get out there in the in the summer for the beautiful beaches and the rocks and the and the stunning color of the water there. What could we do there in the winter? Uh, there's not really any services in the winter. If you have your own equipment, you, you can come. I know there's people who rent out Airbnbs. People rent those out, hoping that people will come. Uh, people can ice fish and go snowmobiling, but of course there's no services, so you have to provide most of that yourself. And that's why there's really no, not that much tourism in the winter. So, Peter, before we let you go, I understand you want to put up some more signs. So what, what else would you like to put up in the area? Well, I'd, uh, I was thinking of putting up just simple, neutral, welcoming signs in, in Spanish, Tagalog, Swahili, Arabic. You know, it, it just... I like the the multicultural vibes that it give off, and that's one reason why my business was quite popular with people from other countries because everyone who came, a lot of them, they said they it made them feel like they were at home, and most more than probably ninety nine percent of the people said they feel like they're somewhere else, like in another country. Country. <clears throat> Well, Peter, we thank you very much for sharing this message. It's an important reminder uh, to be welcoming and, and to show people respect. So thanks for taking some time to chat with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for reaching out, too. If you've been downtown at all in the last few months, you've likely noticed a big change to our skyline thanks to the new 42-story building at 300 Main. It's been under construction for a couple of years now, but that construction is nearing completion, and the giant crane that's been part of the landscape for two years came down this week. Yeah, and Brett, you might be cheering that because, like you, you've had to take a detour around that crane at different times and then crews that temporarily blocked or closed a block of Fort Street just west of Maine for the past few weeks. That just reopened this morning, according to our listeners. Or perhaps you're cheering because it's a sign that despite everything we've been going through in the last 22 months, we're still moving forward with a lot of projects. And pre-pandemic, we talked a lot about the downtown. And given all the changes we've been seeing with people moving from work to home over the past 22 months, it's clear we're going to continue to talk about the downtown post-pandemic, Greg, not just about people working downtown, but living there as well. Greg? <laughs> I'm old enough to remember that when the, at the time, Trizet complex was announced, it was supposed to be Twin Towers at that location. So here we are 40 plus years later and finally 300 Main is close to being finished. Artist Reed is the company that owns 300 Main. Jeff Lutkin is its director of marketing. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. How are you today? Doing very well. And, you know, this is uh, very exciting for, for people my vintage who have finally seen this vision sort of completed for that uh, block of, of Main Street between Portage and Graham Avenue, 42 stories. I'm already missing the crane. I, I'm, I'm hoping we get to see another one as tall one of these days. But when will construction on, on this building actually be done, Jeff? Yeah. You know what? We're really excited as well. I mean, we've had the crane up for almost four and a half years now. So, you know, having it come down this week has been uh, a big milestone for us. Um, right now, construction is moving along really well. Uh, we're shifting gears more towards the interior work. 
And we do have a spring completion date for at least the first phase, which would be floors, you know, the lobby area up to the 20th floor. So lobby to the 20th floor, that would mean you're looking for people to move in. So how many units are you talking about? First of all, are they for sale or for rent, Jeff? Yeah, these are all apartments, so they're all rental units. And uh, altogether, we have about 395, so quite a few. How many of those have been spoken for in terms of trying to get those rented to Winnipegers, Manitobans? Yeah, well, you know, we've been working with Cushman, Wakefield, and Stevenson, and they've been doing a great job kind of uh, moving forward with like a leasing program uh, where tenants can pick out um, you know, spaces that, um, you know, preferred spaces and, and in the block of floors that are available. Um, so, yeah, like we're looking uh, probably at around, um, you know, a, a later spring move in. Later spring move in. OK, so has it been challenging to make the, the downtown sales pitch, given all the changes to the workforce, more people at home, perhaps fewer people working downtown in the future? Yeah, I think, you know, COVID has been a challenge for everyone. And uh, I think the working from home or the remote work has been uh, something that, um, you know, people are looking for uh, nicer places to work at from home. And I think 300 Main can offer that. I think that, um, you know, we have large floor plates. We have um, a lot of amenities for people to uh, enjoy while they're there. And hopefully, as we see the pandemic kind of moving out, uh, we can see some sense of community in that starting to build. No, I remember when uh, Earl's on Main opened almost, I guess, 26, 27 years ago, they're moving into the base of this building. That's very exciting for a lot of folks. When when are they opening? Do you know, Jeff? Yeah. So the plan is for winter, and I expect Earl's will have its own announcement to share very soon. But we are really excited to have them as a, you know, a, a key partner in uh, 300 Main. This is, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, there's no other place right at the Portage of Maine or at least in the section of Maine where there is that residential complex. It's usually, it's just office towers right at Portage of Maine. And so this will be the closest you can get to live to that intersection as a residential unit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the location is really great. I mean, we're connected to the theater district, to Canada Life Center, you know, the Forks. Um, the exchange market, and, and everything else downtown as well. Um, so, yeah, having that connection in the walkways, having the Earls downstairs, it's really desirable. And, and not to mention, you know, the amenities that we've really put into the building that we're really excited about. Uh, so, you know, and that includes like a, a second floor terrace, uh, pet playground, um, you know, and then the 40th floor lounge that um, really it, just has stunning views of, of all of Winnipeg. A pet playground? You bet, yeah. Uh, we all love our pets, and I think <laughs> a lot of people in the city do as well. So we do have a second floor, uh, you know, terrace area, so it's like an outdoor patio space. And in that area is a private uh, pet playground. So it would be like um, a relief area that has, um, you know, washing stations for people's pets uh, and then private access. Oh, that's neat. That's great. Because a lot of people might be, you know, reluctant to move into a high rise if they have a pet. But uh, that's outstanding news. So, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the update. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Anytime. 
literal big news for the big blue, Adam Big Hill, the defending, outstanding defensive player in the Canadian Football League, perennial all-star has re-upped with the Great Cup champions, signing a one-year deal with the club. That announced just in the last six, seven minutes here. So Adam Big Hill will remain with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I think the more players they sign, the more players they will sign, if that makes sense. The more players that that stick around, the easier it is, I think, to convince other players to stick around. It's less money uh, in the pot with Big Hill signed. However, uh, it just goes to show, and I think it's a, a proof that the Blue Bombers are intent on securing their third consecutive Grey Cup championship. So this is a huge release, or pardon me, a huge relief, this release this morning. Adam Big Hill, one more year in blue and gold. That is exciting stuff. Way to go, Bombers. Way to go, Big Hill. And a reminder that at 204-780-6868, we are asking you to text us about the things in your life that are supposed to make your life easier, but they don't. Or... The new things that you wish were like the old things. Like Keith says, and we were talking about furnace issues earlier, uh, just after 7 o'clock with Mr. Furnace, uh, because the supply chain is affecting furnace repair because sometimes they're having a hard time getting parts. Keith says, my pet peeve is to stop making things so complicated, like the furnace. All you need is a burner, a blower, a gas valve, and a thermostat. The worst is the programmable thermostats. I don't need it to change temperature throughout the day. I'm quite capable of turning it up in the morning and down at night. So, Keith, thank you for that. And I know that we've seen that even right here at this radio station. Like, we've got uh, digital phones, and if you listen to this show uh, frequently, you've probably heard our phones go down from time to time because everything's digital now. Mm -hmm. Well, back in our older building when we were at 930 Portage, when we just had a basic (laughs) analog phone system, System, that never happened, ever. So sometimes new does not make things better. I just about lost it yesterday, and I know this is not quite in the same vein as what we're talking about, but, you know, when I was upset a couple weeks ago that the chargers, phone chargers, kept going missing in my house, well, now I'm just annoyed at the fact that I have 97 different cords that don't seem to plug into anything. And, like, I just wish the phone companies would stop with the whole, I get it. They're making money off of us, but there's a separate charger for my Kindle versus my phone versus my husband's phone versus the speakers versus the headset versus the, I just, I can't. I'm like, and it's, it's by like a a hair, one's a hair thinner or a hair thicker or a hair smaller. And I just looked at all these cords yesterday and thought, none of you can do anything for me right now. None of you. The preparatory stuff is really frustrating. There's no question about it. And uh, I could send you guys a a picture of a a bin that I have with all sorts of different cords that, and Loren, you said it perfectly, that seem to fit absolutely nothing. And at any any point, I feel like they fit nothing. Like, I don't really know what they're for at all. So there. Keep those texts coming for a chance to win the Santa Lucia pizza, $20 gift card. We're going to give that away just after 9.15. While you may have finished shoveling around your property, the city is still working hard to clear streets across Winnipeg. As Global's Abigail Turner reports, the piles of snow are causing concerns for those who need to be on the road. They're known as Manitoba Mountains. They can be seen on pretty much every street corner you turn off of in Winnipeg. Usually there's like all the snow piled up on the sides of the road and all. 
So that's like, um, I mean, uh, it's scary. Staying in the office or at home during a snowstorm isn't an option for everyone, including delivery drivers. In winter, it takes double the time for any delivery. Whether it's pizza or mail delivery, the answer seems to be the same. The snow does bring challenges. Guys are letting us know if there's a parking lot that hasn't been plowed yet to try and avoid it. The city says the snow piles are there to make sure their snow dumps don't reach capacity. The Keniston location has already closed after filling up. We want to make sure that the, it's safe to cross the streets, but also to make sure that we have some storage for the next event. Crews were in the middle of moving some piles to the snow dumps when the Alberta Clipper hit and they had to change plans. The city says they'll start moving them next week after the residential parking ban. Abigail Turner, Global News. So that residential parking ban comes back into effect tonight at 7. Uh, the zones, just in case people actually know their zones, D-I-O-S-U-N-V. So you'll, you'll have to move your car and, and have it parked elsewhere if you're in those zones. The piles that Abigail are talking about, it's not just the ones in the parking lots, but it's when you pull out of pull out of a parking lot or pull onto another street and the piles, this happened to me on Pemina. I picked up a pizza at Santa Lucia, actually, which is, and I was pulling out and I could not see over the pile into the oncoming traffic, like what was coming my way. And that's where it gets dicey, where you're inching forward like really slowly to see, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, nope. And then you back up. And so that's the kind of stuff that you want to get cleared quickly because it can cause other problems. And and one of our listeners says one of the problems they have with snow clearing, Greg, isn't the clearing and what they're doing because they think the work has been good. It's the uh, sound of the clearing. Yeah, no question about it. Phil says this, could we get a new bylaw that would require snow plowing equipment to replace their 1980s alarm clock sounding reverse signal to maybe a more soothing ocean sounds or smooth jazz when clearing snow at 2 a.m. Also maybe replacing that harbor guide the ships strobe light that turns the whole inside of your house orange every second to maybe one of those wake up therapy lights. I need elastics to hold the bags under my eyes this morning. I also feel like I've been punched in the face. Ivy of coffee required this morning. This from Phil, he says, I'm not complaining they did a great job, but when they come in the middle of the night, it can be a little bit much. So uh, that opens up the conversation as well. You mentioned know your snow zone, Loren, and uh, thanks to our our colleague down the hall at uh, at uh, Peggy at 99.1, Sam Stevens, she says, uh, if you just want to remember Ronnie James Dio, D-I-O, driving an SUV, SUV, <laughs> you'll have the six zones for tonight. So if you're trying to remember which zones are being plowed, uh, that's Sam's uh, advice for today. As we head towards spring, it is coming, despite today's frigid temperatures. Yeah, and I don't know about you, Brett, Loren, but I can't wait to get out into the backyard and cook and eat and just be outside, have you guys over while I do the same. And as we've discussed with our next guest in the past, outdoor living has become even more popular out of, over the last decade or so, and it's gone to yet another level during the pandemic if creating your own backyard oasis is on the drawing board for you this spring, will the items you desire be available? Phil Squarey of Lux Furniture and Lux Barbecue Companies joins us now. Good morning, Phil. Hey, good morning. How are you? 
We're doing really well. Nice to hear your voice. Uh, let's uh, start with this. Uh, how popular has creating outdoor living spaces become pre-pandemic even? Uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's on it's on the rise for sure. You know, I think people are starting to spend more time with their families in their backyards and, and wanting to entertain more and more. And I think it's just a way of life that's become. But yeah, with this pandemic, it's 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 definitely shot up uh, again. Um, the, uh, the, the lack of being able to go out and, uh, you know, to the restaurants for a while there and, and just do anything or, or the fear of going out has definitely changed. And people seem to be uh, a little bit nesting a little bit more and, uh, and, and spending some time and money on their backyards. With that happening, with that change, as people nest more, as you say, or just look to make their backyard their oasis or their balcony their oasis, how challenging is it to fill the need? Because if the demand is up, we know that there's always a supply issue. What have some of the complications been for you, Phil? Yeah, so supply has been an absolute nightmare. Um, the, you know, I, you know, we hear all the time from people they like, you know, and, and again, you know, we don't expect everybody to understand, and in our industry and other industries, but you know, everything, everything affects the supply chain from workers that are making the product to getting it to the docks to getting on ocean freighters to getting it to Canada, driving it to our warehouses and just being able to get the parts for that. And there, and every single facet of that has been affected and it's been, it's been tough, but you know, we're, we're very fortunate, um, you know, here in Manitoba, we have nothing but land. So we've been able to, to buy some uh, additional warehousing and, uh, and obviously do some smart purchasing uh, about seven, eight months ago. And we're going to be in a good position this, this, uh, this spring. So those are the steps that you that you decided to take. You got more. You said you got extra warehousing just to to fill up with extra stock. Yeah, Brett, we bought a we bought another large warehouse uh, this summer, and we've just we've just uh, taken possession of it about a month and a half ago, and it's it's full and ready to go. So you know, and and we're keeping our old one. You know, our plan was to sell the old one, but now we're keeping it. And you know, it, it's a it's not uh, it's not always the business plan you want to follow, but. It's sort of the one that we've been forced into, and uh, in order for us to have product for our our consumers and for this province, we we need to be able to have the product in in stock and ready to go. That's a massive pivot for you, Phil. So you, you've done this, and so talk about if you can just what's forced you to do that. Besides being able to get the product, there's obviously a change in the relationship some retailers are having with wholesalers. And I'm guessing that in order to secure some product, you had to buy a lot of it. Yeah, no. And, and you're exactly right. So, you know, just a, a quick synopsis, like, so just going over uh, overseas product, you know, like I said, um, with COVID, they've had shutdowns just like we have. And I think people sometimes forget that and their work, their production is down. Um, then there's, you know, just like cars, there's microchip shortages, there's part shortages that you can't get. So that delays things. And then there's no boats, so you can't get it on a boat. And then just everything takes time. And then, and then for instance, a few of our Canadian manufacturers, like I, I won't use exact names, but just to give you an idea, we have one barbecue manufacturer here in Canada and a furniture manufacturer here in Canada. And they're both produced here in Canada. They are both sold out for 2022. We cannot place any more orders with them as of right now. Wow, that's saying something that, about. What's that yeah. mean for costs then? For both your costs, Phil, though, if you have to have this it, warehouse with extra supply, but also just the consumer costs with that kind of demand. Yeah, you know what? I, I would say more of the overseas product is uh, shot up a little bit more, um, and the reason for that is the freight. You know, um, you know, in, in all honesty, Loren, we're you know last year we were paying seven, eight thousand dollars for a container of overseas. This year we're paying twenty thousand dollars. 
So, you know, those are those are big costs that we have to absorb. The warehousing doesn't affect us too much. You know, we like I said, we're a, we're a, a large mass of land with not too many people, and we seem to have a lot of space. So we get that for fairly inexpensive here. But you can imagine what dealers in Toronto and and uh, and major centers like that um, uh, uh, have for. They, there's no real estate left. So you know, and and then and then the the local product hasn't gone up in price much. We just can't get it. So there are some retailers taking advantage of that. They'll they'll up the price on certain items because they can. We don't. Um, that's not our business model at all. You know, it's first first come, first serve, and first in, first out. So, you know, the the thing is though is these companies are running twelve hour shifts, two a day, and they know what they can produce in a year, and they're maxed out. They cannot produce any more. Well, fascinating stuff, Phil. We really appreciate you bringing us inside a little bit and bringing context to this story that, you know, has really had a lot of high level visibility to it, but you've really done an amazing job in bringing us inside. We appreciate you being so open with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And, you know, I just want to say we will not have, uh, we will not have too many stock issues this year. We're, we're, I guess we're set up pretty well, but you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of dealers out there, our counterparts that didn't order as early and, uh, you know, they're going to be in a bit of a struggle. They'll be getting their stock later in the year, which is too late for spring, as, as you know. Well, Phil, we appreciate you joining us. We love talking to you. Great to hear from you, sir. Thanks so much, everybody. And if snow was a commodity, wouldn't we be rich? <laughs> some, <laughs> some wisdom on the way out from Phil Square, Lux Furniture and Lux Barbecue Companies joining us live on 680 CJOB. <laughs> Mackling McGarry McNabb, $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza. Today's topic inspired by uh, one of my friends told me. He said his neighbor wanted to learn how to use his snowblower. My friend has a snowblower. Neighbor wanted to try it out. And uh, after 10 minutes, he said, I can't figure this out. I'm going back to the shovel. So that made us decide to have a, a chat about the things in your life that are supposed to make life easier, but they don't. Or the new things where you wish they were more like the old things. And... Uh, the, our winner is a hilarious, hilarious story, but we've got so many great runners-up, as always, like this one, Greg, from Gary. Good morning, 3M. Do you guys remember the great old electric can opener? You thought things were going to be so much easier from the manual one. Well, yeah, yeah, you buy this electric piece of garbage to find out <laughs> that it doesn't work at all. It didn't pierce the can again, and it will get stuck halfway through, and you just ended up using that gorgeous swing around your head and throw it into the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> My mom had one of those, and he, I concur, Gary. It didn't work all that well. Good for calling a cat. That's about <laughs> all they're good for sometimes. Uh, Loren, what's Mick got for us? So he's not happy. Mick's not happy with the Pego Transit bus card. Says, I went to get the card renewed for the month back in January 2018. The bus driver told me that there was no cash in the card. At the downtown kiosk, I found out there is cash in the card, but it's damaged and I needed to get a new card. He says, I'll take the paper pass. It's more reliable. Uh, I don't know if they fixed some of these problems, Greg. I know when it first rolled out in 2016 that it, there were some challenges for sure with the card. Uh, I'd like to know still if bad. that's still the case. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you really bad. summed it up. <laughs> this is our winner from Stephanie. Who says technology? You know how some clocks update themselves now, like you're on your phone? Well, that doesn't help remind me to change the ones that don't. For example, two years ago, I turned left onto River from Osborne, uh, River Avenue from Osborne. So she's going northbound on Osborne, turns west onto River, and was immediately pulled over. I turned into the Safeway parking lot while waiting for the cop to come over to my window. 
I had no idea why I was pulled over. Cop comes up and asks for my ID, sees my address and says to me, so you live in this area? Me? I say, yes. Cop says, so you know you can't turn left after 3.30. So I, I confidently point to my car's fancy digital screen clock and say, I know, it's 2.57. Cop stares at me silently, tapping my ID in his hand. And then it dawns on me suddenly, and I exude embarrassment, further making me look ditzy. Oh my God, I know, I know, I completely forgot. We, we had daylight saving time. I knew, but I forgot to change my clock. I thought this was the actual time. Daylight saving time was three days prior. So then the officer says, do you even know how to change your clock? I sat there as he walked me through step by step how to change the time, and he didn't give me a ticket. Yes! So I drove my daft self home and unfortunately inflated the blonde stereotype. <laughs> oh, boy. So good. <laughs> Stephanie, congratulations, and I feel your pain. At least you didn't get a ticket. I did get a ticket for making that exact same turn. That was a Thanksgiving Monday. I thought it was Sunday. I just forgot, but I paid for it. Greg, what's coming up in sports? You didn't uh, flash your eyelashes, uh, Brett. <laughs> I don't think he you was keen on, on the resting ticket, Brett face. Know? <laughs> <laughs> the availability of consumer goods, the cost of fueling your car, Food prices, they're all driving inflation. Yeah, what if you're not uh, one of those people who say $200 is the difference between paying all your bills and not paying them? Or what if, Loren, you're faced with a decision to replace a major appliance or mechanical system because a part isn't available? Part of our discussion this morning, this all adds to our financial stress. And so, of course, when we talk about stress, we often talk about the idea of maybe, you know, giving a call to a counselor or a therapist. And our next guest feels that way sometimes to us. Kelly Keene is an author, speaker, consultant, and really our go-to person for discussions around finances. She's also a consumer advocate for FP Canada and was a member of the first National Steering Committee for Financial Literacy. And so in some ways, Kelly, I think we can introduce you as a financial counselor. Is that fair? Yes. Good morning, friends. Yes, I, I, I counsel in an educational way. I don't do one-on-one coaching, but you bet. I'm uh, a go-to gal for all that uh, ails you financially and, and steer you in the right direction. So for someone right now sitting there, Kelly, and th- you got that pit in your stomach with this conversation and you're thinking, I do not want to talk finances, is that a sign that you're perhaps the someone who needs it the most? Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, if you're feeling uncomfortable, you're feeling scared, you're feeling worried you're not sleeping at night, those are all really good indications that you, you need to get in control of your finances. And that might not mean fixing it right away. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is even knowing where you sit, uh, it's usually the unknown. Like, guys, like, think about it. Like, when COVID first started, wasn't it, like, the unknown that was the most stressful? It was like, what does this mean? How are we going to survive? And, and yes, it's still causing a great deal of stress for a lot of people, but we're adapting and figuring it out and leaning on each other to get through it. But when you're not even looking at your financial situation, probably suffering in silence, that's when just this stress builds and builds and builds, and it doesn't have to be that way. Kelly, is it possible that when we need this the most is is right now like it feels impossible it's stressful 
And so Loren was mentioning that pit in your stomach and how you carry it around with you. So just when it seems most impossible, it's probably when you need to tackle this. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Really good point. And, and, and Loren's point about the pit in the stomach, for sure. Um, a horrible place to be. I've been there. Uh, I know how it feels. So I'm, I'm speaking from a place of being out of it and how good that feels. And that stretch from where you are to financial resiliency seems like a million miles away. And as Lorenz started this off, you know, there are people that can help you. There are resources that can help you, but they're not going to come knocking at your door. So first having that faith that you can get out of it, but it's not going to happen overnight, right? And here's the thing, guys. I had a new book come out before the holidays and a lot of media interviews, and, and it's directed at women. And the typical question is, like, you know, why are women and, and Canadians, not just pigeonholing women, but why are we not paying attention to our finances? And I, I gave the usual answers, right? They're really busy and, and schools are closed d- depending where you are and, and everything else everyone's dealing with. All of that is true and factual. But that was bugging me over the holiday season. It was like, but why? Like when I was in that situation 20 years ago, why was it that I wasn't getting out of it? And here's what I think it is. It's apathy. And apathy is such a dangerous, sinister place to be because when you're apathetic, you're just like numb. You throw your hands up and go, doesn't matter what you do. Nothing's going to make a difference. And, and here's the thing, guys, from apathy to financial resilience, there's some really uncomfortable feelings. There's like anger and frustration and irritation. And I think it's just so much easier to just be like, well, whatever, and stay in that apathetic state and watch some Netflix and drink some wine, not judging, <laughs> just saying, <laughs> um, then feel those feelings. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is that you will have to feel those feelings. You will have to go through that scale of emotions. And there are people and resources to help you. And there is that hope on the other side. But you have to be brave and courageous and get out of apathy. Look at your financial situation because that's the only way you're going to get to financial resiliency. Yeah, well, it's, and that's such a great point as well, Kelly. And I, I would say I'm similar. I wouldn't call what I uh, feel apathy, but you mentioned you got to be brave. And I think when I am faced with you know certain financial decisions, it's more fear. It's it's fear of of the fact like a, it's fear of what I know is coming, but it's more like, ah, I, I don't really feel like dealing with this right now, so I'm just going to take this bill and throw it over here so I don't have to look at it and uh, and pretty much do almost exactly what you just said and turn on my television and say, I'll think about this another time because I don't want to deal with it right now. 100%, Brett. Here, here's an antidote to that. Um, we've all felt that in some part of our life, maybe financial, maybe health, maybe with family. Um, so when it comes to your finances, if you know there's something you need to deal with and you just can't, Uh, Let yourself off the hook, but put it in your digital calendar. If you're going to deal with it tomorrow, you're going to deal with it next week. Put it in your calendar. Put a reminder in there. Even if you don't do it, make a new commitment to yourself. Because here's the thing, guys. If you don't take care of these things, they will figure themselves out in the sense of if you owe money to CRA, if you owe money to your credit card uh, company and you can't make that payment, 
by, by not dealing with it, you're putting in their hands to figure out what your intentions are. Maybe you're just legitimately going to be late for a couple of months. Well, then get on the phone and have that really, yes, it's a hard conversation, but no, you're not alone because there's millions of Canadians calling up their creditors to extend payments, figure out a payment plan, make it work. But if you don't do that, they're, they're going to guess that, oh, guess you guys aren't paying your bills at all, and then start the, the process of collections. Actually, I'm doing an Instagram Live this afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. your time, and I'm talking exactly about that. I had like a number of readers reach out. They just weren't dealing with some stuff. They weren't dealing with some things. They had an issue with a company or a product or a service. Now it's in collections. And that's a whole different animal. That's affecting your credit score in a different way. Now you're having to treat that differently. So I want to really walk people through of what your options are before it gets to that point. Then what do you do if it actually gets into collections? So what are the options then? And, and, and you, want, you want to walk us through, Kelly, and I think it's important maybe now more than ever because there's a lot of people who've been living paycheck to paycheck in this country for years. I'm also yep. concerned about the growing number of Canadians who might be looking at the rising inflation rates and food prices and, and might be looking at housing prices and thinking, ouch, like this is starting to hurt a lot more people than it has in years past. So there's a whole host of Canadians who might be might be feeling new to this. Some have, some have been here before. What do we do? Yeah, exactly. And it's both sides, Loren. It's, it's not just the increase in prices. It's maybe you've had a disruption to your job or your spouse has or your hours have been cut back or your wages. So it's both sides of the scale. And I think that's the important part, right, is like, like figure out what is within the locus of your control. Um, is there anything that you can cut back on? Is there anything that you can bring in that, again, might not be ideal, might not be perfect, getting that second job, bringing in a roommate, renting out your basement? I, I'm not saying those are great, but what at least write out all of your options. And if you can't see any options at all, that's where you've got to reach out to that nonprofit credit counselor an insolvency trustee, and, and just because you reach out to those people doesn't mean that's the path you have to go down. But why not at least take the free call? They always offer a free call. Take the free call and see what they're suggesting. Maybe your situation isn't as bad as you think it is. Maybe there's some things that you haven't considered. Maybe you're a student with student loan debt and you can get some of it forgiven or have your payment suspended. Maybe if you call up your bank, they will work with you on a credit card deferral payment. There's just so many options that you, uh, you know, if you're ruminating in your mind, just worrying about it, thinking about the worst case scenario and catastrophizing, that's not productive. That's not resourceful. Um, but I, I mean, I do get, I'm seeing my bills going up. I, I, I can't imagine if somebody is barely making it. Actually, I can't imagine because I was there 20 years ago. I know how awful that is. Um, but I also know there's, a, uh, there's always hope at the end of uh, the, <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel. But you, you have to be the one to reach out for those resources. Debt is everywhere. We're seeing it. You know, it, it's tough to say, difficult to manage, as we've been discussing here. But, you know, governments, business, households, everything, it, it's all compounding on top of one another. And so, you know, the confidence of consumers has to be going down in terms of their ability to play. I know there were pay these things. I know there was a debt confidence report and Manitoba and Saskatchewan were sort of in the same boat on that one. Weren't they Kelly? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and how can your confidence not be shattered when you've got debt that you can't? I mean, there's nothing wrong with debt. If you're managing your debt, you have a mortgage, and you've got maybe even a bounce on your credit card, uh, and you're managing your debt, which a lot of people were pre-COVID, right? Their job was fine. Everything was fine. They were working hard. They were doing all right. And then all of a sudden, we screeched into this pandemic, and they realized they weren't fine because losing their job or having their hours cut put them in a tailspin. So um, it is very difficult to navigate these things on your own. But, yes, you can. You can call up your credit card company and ask for a lower interest rate. You can get into a lower interest rate product. Let's say you're maxed out on your credit card. You're at 28%. Getting in a 12% interest rate credit card is going to make a huge difference. Even if you don't pay a cent more, can you imagine the compound interest from 28% or 24% going down to 12 All banks have that option. But here's the caveat. If you're already behind in your payments, you're not going to get those options extended to you. So here's the message. If you're feeling uncomfortable, you're feeling worried, you're not sure you can make your payments, but you haven't missed anything yet, you need to have a conversation with your bank and your credit card company. If you've already got to the point where you've missed a lot of payments, collection agencies are coming in, things of that sort, that's pretty hard. to. You can get out of it yourself, but that's going to be pretty hard to do. That's where, again, you want to reach out to that nonprofit credit counselor or the bankruptcy trustee. Um, you know, if that is the route you have to go, might not be the best, might not be the greatest, but you need to know that there are choices because, guys, at the end of the day, this rumination, this constant worry, this never letting go of this financial stress. And by the way, um, Canadian Payroll Association, their studies show that, like, the vast majority of Canadians spend 30 minutes a day on the job worrying about money, right? It's not going to go away by itself. And, and that can actually turn into physical ailments, mental health issues, so much more. Kelly Keene is an author. She is a speaker. She is a consumer advocate. She's a personal finance educator. And she's just overall awesome because she makes an uncomfortable conversation fun by using words like catastrophizing. I didn't know that was a word, (laughs) Kelly. And I'm going to make sure that I make that irregular for me. Excellent, Brad. Always great talking with you, my friend. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.